Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Sneddon. Uh, tonight we're bringing you continuing coverage of the 2016 presidential election. Um, After the election's over, by the time yeah, you hear this. Yeah, by the time. Originally, <laughs> when we were going to do this, I, I thought we could actually run it like it's live, like we could interject with things occasionally. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, astute listeners might notice I sound like um, like someone shoved a bag of shit down my throat. It's about <laughs> how I feel because um, I've been deathly mm-hmm. ill. So I want to apologize at least for the last two days, three days or so of, of you guys not getting this episode. Um, Rob could barely understand me when we first tried this the other night. So we opted to put it off until I sounded a little better. So what you're going to get is us retroactively interjecting this book review Maybe with commentary about the the 2016 presidential election, which incidentally is happening as, as we we're recording record. this. Yeah. yeah, so it is live, sort of for us at least. It's live for 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 the people who are recording right now, which is us. Um, yep. Yeah. So incidentally, so we discovered. I've always told people that you can just pretty much you don't need anything to do a podcast, and and these last few days have proven <laughs> that you need exactly one thing to do a podcast, and that's a voice. Um, I had one job. Livius had one job, and he failed. Mm-hmm. Well, your voice failed. Let's not blame it on you. I mean, your voice let you down. I think that actually what happened was this whole thing was rigged. Well, that's what I was going to say. Um, because it's it's leading up to the election, my guess, and I never asked why the voice was bad, but I was just guessing that you were outside of uh, polling areas shouting um, and intimidating the Democratic voters. Did I mention that during the spooktacular that that's what I was going to do? Because I, I feel like we talked about this a little bit. <laughs> I don't remember if you did. Okay, yeah. I, I, I know I had the thought. So, yeah, I uh, I, I took a job as a poll watcher, um, which initially sounded like a great thing. <laughs> that sounds kind of kind of on the man-on-man side for you. Oh, uh, oh okay. Watcher. I was thinking like, like a pole dancer. Oh. <laughs> I was going that route. But yeah, so then it turned into something completely different. And then ultimately, I just basically screamed at old ladies all day who were trying to vote for Hillary Clinton. You're like, uh, you're like, why do I have to go to this library? I thought you said I was going to be a poll watcher. Exactly. So um, part of the problem is we're in Illinois. So even though I scared off dozens <laughs> Of old women by chasing them down the street and screaming at them. Um, (laughs) uh, Illinois still came in, I think, at something like 65% for Hillary Clinton. So that wasn't very effective. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure. The next step is hacking. But um, as Rob knows, I'm not all that good with computers. (laughs) So that's failed attempt number two. And quite honestly, we're, we're, we're late now. Most polling places have closed, I think, even on the West Coast. Mm, I don't think the West Coast because it's nine o'clock Central. So seven o'clock they pro- most right they close seven thirty. I think eight o'clock. Oh, okay, so we've got another I think hour before the West Coast closes. Okay, or whatever well, you call it. Um, would you like Would you like a, an, an update on where we are now? This has got to be fascinating for for, <laughs> for people who, who know who is the results. president. Yeah, <laughs> but this is quite honestly we don't know and um all I was actually late getting on this podcast because I lost track of time from watching um election stuff on CNN. If you were watching election <clears throat> stuff would CNN be the place? Uh it was the first I'm actually looking at the Guardian website right now because they're mm-hmm. not 
a U.S. news organization. I kind of trust them. Um, but I was looking up CNN earlier. It just, there was like, it was weird with like a bunch of weird circles and stuff. So I decided to switch to The Guardian. Watching it live, Wolf Blitzer is really, really annoying. He's been around. I mean, like, he made his name during the Gulf War. Yeah. So, so he's got, it's him. And then, and, and I really don't watch news. So, there's another guy who they go to because he's at the, I'm doing this in quotes, they call it the magic wall, which is really like a 50-inch touchscreen TV. But they keep referring <laughs> it's to magic. it as the magic wall. Yeah. <laughs> and that guy, so the guy who's running the magic wall reminds me, and I'm probably not going to on the podcast, but do you remember the guy who hired you when you worked at the same place that, that I did, the, the district manager? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I know exactly who you're okay. talking about. This guy reminds me of that guy in like 10 years. He even <laughs> kind of sounds like him. Oh, no. So Wolf keeps going over there, and he's going, let's go to the magic wall. And then he walks over there. And then this guy is clearly an expert. Like, he recognizes counties by shape and stuff, right? Yeah. So he's trying to talk, and Wolf Blitzer would be like, yeah, yeah, we'll go back to Florida in a second. Go to Ohio. And then the guy will like, go to Ohio and try to start to explain. Wolf Blitzer will interrupt him and be like, well, let's go back to Florida for a minute. <laughs> and then CNN does this most annoying thing. And I'm going to tell you exactly how this goes. They have um, – Oh, God, where the key race alerts. So they yeah, go, oh, yeah. we have a key race alert coming in, and this big sign comes up on the screen, this logo, it says key race alert. And at one point, they had a key race alert, and they're like, we have new results in from these states, and it looks like uh, Clinton is 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 way in the lead here in this state, which is to be expected, blah, blah, blah. And Donald Trump, and, and like, they'll never get to like the third state, because they'll be like, oh, we have a new key race alert coming in. <laughs> and then they go to one that says, these states are too early to call. So they interrupt results with other results and that result is too early to call <laughs> it's like hang on wait 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 i got nothing to say I, i'm amazing it's absolutely amazing it's fucking riveting man they got to make this stuff sound interesting oh, yeah they listen they're far more enthusiastic than uh than, than they should be about this so um as we start this podcast i mean i know we've been in it for 10 minutes now uh, Donald Trump is leading 139 delegates to 104. Uh, uh, electoral votes, not, not delegates. Right. I'm sorry. Electoral votes. Um, thank you for the correction. Mm -hmm. um, and let's see. He has 49% of the popular vote to Hillary Clinton's 47%. Can I also tell you that I've not seen Jill Stein on any of them? Like, uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm looking yeah. at – all right. So on The Guardian uh – -huh. um, below the map like the map has the blue or the red mm -hmm. and then on the bottom like if i hover over illinois below my map it'll say clinton trump johnson and then there's a line that has no name next to it but it has like <laughs> so it's clinton trump johnson oh no it's Stein's starting to show up now okay yeah the in fourth place in most states is rick uh, flair oh what seriously rick, yeah rick flair yeah the guy from wrestling yeah is yeah, actually right running for president Oh, right in I see. Votes, man. Yeah, he's he's yeah. actually ahead of Jill Stein in most states. That's weird. Well, listen, she was like the weird, like pot smoking, like hippie flower girl. She really thing. is. They're like. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Here goes where Livius ruins the rest of the episode because he made himself laugh. Because he made himself laugh. <laughs> Well, you know, there are a lot of people like, wait, there's another woman running for president. And everyone's like, nobody's going to vote for that hippie whore. <laughs> so, and and lo and behold, nobody's she's voting right for behind her. Rick Flair in most states. 
So. I, I got to say that right now, a little perspective. Let's pick a bigger state. Let's look at New York. Um, New York State is called for Clinton with like almost 2 million votes over mm-hmm. Trump's like half a million votes. Yep. Stein's in third with about a little over 30,000 votes. Yeah. For perspective. Oh, she's actually in third somewhere. Wow. Yeah. And Johnson's got, she's got like 800 more votes than Johnson. And that they have the same percentage, like 1.4%. So she's taking 1.4% of the vote in New York. And let's think about that. That's only 1.4% more than you or I are taking in New York right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. I was going to say, you know, we're going to probably talk about later, but this is horror awards (laughs) are are up again for nominations. Oh, are they? Yeah. And, And I think we had almost as many votes in the This Is Horror Awards. Yeah, last year, maybe it was two Jill years Stein's ago. getting, <laughs> yeah, in, in New York. So, eh, you know, hey, she's right. got seven hundred fifty-seven votes in North Dakota right now. Look at that, seven fifty-seven. Um, I'm sure. Again, this is very riveting for listeners. We are going to get to a book review, but we're definitely going to come back to this topic, <laughs> guaranteed. It probably, <clears throat> probably as soon as I'm bored with talking about this book, which may not take too long. Ooh, ouch. Mm, All right. Yeah. Well, I guess let's let's pretend like we do book reviews here. We should do that. The book we are reviewing this week is called "We Eat Our Own," which is by uh, and I, I looked this up so just in case she's listening, um, Kea, but with a far more aggressive sound than I can make is what um, how you pronounce names dot com or whatever I found was <laughs> so Kea Wilson received her MFA from Washington University in St. Louis, where she lives and works as a bookseller. We Eat Our Own is her first novel. Props to having your first novel come out on Simon & Schuster. Yeah, congratulations. Um, I was wondering, I don't know if if this is something we're going to get into later or not, but um, if she works in a bookstore in St. Louis, there's two possibilities here. Three, really. One possibility is that she knows... And is friends with our St. Louis friends like Jedediah Ayers and Scott Phillips. Other possibility, because Jed and Scott are really into subterranean books, which is a different bookstore. Rivalry. There could be a bitter rivalry. What was the third option? That I'm just making shit up. (laughs) All right. So um, I'm going to go with um, probably not. I mean, not that I stalk Jed Ayers online, but I I do follow him on various social media. Mm -hmm. And the the name of the book stands out. It would have been at least interesting enough for me to click if he had shared something. You know what I mean? If he was recommending it. So I'm thinking probably not. Um, Hey, I'm trying to do like key key areas kind of reporting yeah. here like yeah. trying to make no, it sound no, super no, exciting there you go. We, we, we have a we have a key author alert um <laughs> she may hate jedediah airs <laughs> she may hate, well uh, you know it's not that you saw the picture of him in his underwear right he didn't make any friends <laughs> is that really him that's him yeah in the white tidy whities yes i feel so violated just having yeah, seen that right photo. <laughs> see that's <laughs> so um and like, then the other option, the other option is that there's no rivalry because she works as a bookseller, and that means she works at like Barnes and Noble or something. No, she works at I think it's like Left Bank Books or something like that. Oh, look yeah, at you! You apparently did more research than I, I saw. Did. I saw a video of her talking about her book. That's cool. Uh, hey, why don't you tell us about this book? I'm going <laughs> to let you eat up this uh, the synopsis here while I rest my throat muscles. All right, Livius is going to rest his throat muscles. 
Here's a synopsis for We Eat Our Own. When a nameless, struggling actor in the 1970s New York gets the call that an enigmatic director wants him on an art film set in the Amazon, he doesn't hesitate. Flies to South America, no questions asked. He quickly realizes he's made a mistake. He's replacing another actor who quit after seeing the script, a script the director now claims doesn't exist. The movie is over budget. The production team seems headed for a breakdown. The air is so wet that the celluloid film disintegrates. But what the actor doesn't realize is that the greatest threat might be the town itself and the mysterious shadowy economy that powers this remote jungle outpost. Entrepreneurial Americans, international drug traffickers, M-19 guerrillas are all fighting for South America's future, and the groups aren't as distinct as you might think. The actor thought this would be a role that would change his life. Now he's worried if he'll survive it. Inspired by a true story from the annals of 1970s Italian horror film. Inspired by a true story from the annals of 1970s Italian horror film and told in dazzlingly precise prose, We Eat Our Own is a resounding literary debut, a thrilling journey behind the scenes of a shocking film, and a thoughtful commentary on violence and its repercussions. Um, I'd like to break in really quickly with a key race alert. You may have heard that dinging in the background. That is the key race <laughs> alert sound. Um, there is no update on Florida. It's still undecided. I'm glad that we broke in for that. When, um, whenever you hear that dinging, I'm going to break in with an update. Um, when uh, This is what I think of the synopsis. Before reading this book, if you heard M19 Gorillas, wouldn't you have just thought that was some kind of heavy metal band? Yeah, or like a gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be. Yeah, that too. So, um, I guess we could probably talk about how this came about um, and why we're reviewing this book. Um, good friend of the podcast, Jesse Lawrence, who also was one of our co-hosts on the recent um, Spooktacular episode, said, "Hey, have you heard about this? It sounds like it might be interesting." And quite honestly, we had nothing else to review for the week, so um, we said, "Sure." And uh, I, I read the synopsis. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to start with the disclaimer of saying this book turned out to not be exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, did you do you have that same? Well, you probably didn't even read the synopsis. I didn't read the synopsis. So okay. but I have a thought on this. <laughs> OK, we haven't got we have. All right. So I don't know exactly how to say this, but like I'll just say what I'm going to say. It seems like it's going to be like a horror style book. Where there's weird cannibal shit taking place in the in the jungle, right? Is that kind of what your thought was? Yes. It's not that. <laughs> no, there is definitely a jungle. There is definitely a jungle. Um, and I guess we can get into it, but oh man, you know, I I, I half jokingly said that I I didn't know what this book was about, and I'm, I'm probably going to expand on that thought throughout <laughs> um, the review and, and definitely in my wrap up. But, um, yeah, we, we start following a, a nameless for the vast majority of the book actor. Um, as it says in the synopsis, he, he gets this big break where he gets this call. It says, hey, we want you on this thing. Uh, granted, it's 1979, so there's not the same technology as today. But he literally drops everything. Doesn't even let his girlfriend know because, you know, he'd have to wait for her to get home from work. So he leaves a note that says, got a, got a role in South America. Not sure when I'm going to be back. Love you. Bye. Um, and, and, and he leaves. Um, 
So, right? I mean, that, that is right from the synopsis. Yep. And you would think that this actor has a much bigger role in this book than he does. Um, because there are entire, like, 50, 60-page stints, I think. <laughs> That's what it felt like, where we mm-hmm. didn't revisit anything with the actor. Um, and this book jumps perspective. It does, between yeah. One, two, three, four, at least six different people through the course of the book. Yeah, and it's chapter perspectives. Right. So, yeah, chapter perspective. So I'm going to go through who some of these people are, and then maybe we'll talk about some of this. I don't even know how to handle this book because <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know what just happened through this 300-page book. So you've got your nameless actor. You then have Teo, who's a, a like a production assistant, uh, used to be a grip, but might be the actor who um, <laughs> is replacing the original actor who the nameless struggling actor is going to replace. <laughs> then you have <laughs> Andre and Marina, who are revolutionaries. They're M19 guerrillas, kind of new at it. They're younger, like late teens. Newbies. Newbies. You've got Ugo, UGO, who is the director. And I was going to say writer of the film. He didn't really write a film. He's just kind of making it up as he goes along. Yeah. Uh, you have Irena who is an actress, an Italian actress who's been brought along to, to play a role in this movie. I thought she was like Scandinavian. Whatever. Doesn't matter. All right. She's a foreign actress. <laughs> uh, although they're all foreign actors because they're in South America. It's all of them are foreign. Um, you've got Hank, who is, I put in the notes, the rich gringo, <laughs> who basically built the little town that they're filming in that's in the middle of the jungle. You've got Paolo and Agatha, who are special effects people um, for for the production uh, of the movie. And uh, Jungle Bloodbath, right? Is that the name of the movie? <clears throat> yeah, Jungle Bloodbath. Jungle. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then you have a, a lot of peripheral characters. There's a maid whose name I can't remember, um, who who you also think is going to be a bigger part, <laughs> and then she just kind of like just disappears. <laughs> I mean, it like just falls out of the story somehow. Um, <laughs> And, and then you've got, there's another revolution. It's just, it, it's littered with characters and fucking not one of them is important to any of his book. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, like, so the major thing that brings all these characters together is, um, Ugo, the director, uh, this crazy Italian, like B horror movie director. And I don't know enough about like early, I want to say early, like sixties and seventies, like horror films to know if he was, modeled after a particular director or anything. Um, but the, uh, the book in general is inspired by the movie cannibal Holocaust, which I guess was a, was an Italian horror film, right? Yeah, I think it was Italian. Um, I think it's claim to fame was that a lot of people believed that, that it was real. real people died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this guy historically, we find this out later in the book. But so I'm kind of putting things out of order, but historically would make really cheap looking cheesy, like kind of like gore porn, uh, B horror films where it was all done on a stage with special effects and, um, you know, just cheap, easily produced. And for some reason, this movie, um, he kind of changed his approach and flew the entire cast out to, um, the fucking jungle uh, to to film this in South America, in Colombia, right in the 
in the fucking middle of the whole crazy drug cartel stuff that was going on at the time. So it's like super dangerous. And because this guy is so eccentric and um, doesn't tell people what's going on, like nobody knows what's happening. They don't know what their role is. They don't know what their lines are. Um, They don't have any kind of budget. And they're just kind of stuck out in the middle of nowhere in the jungle trying to make this weird horror movie in a way that even the people that he's worked with before, like the T.O. character, um, there was a couple others um, who have been his crew for other movies. Um, Even the people who have known him for other movies just have no idea what's going on or why he's doing things the way he is. So um, the basic premise starting out this reading this book is like everybody has no idea what's going on. They just know they're a part of this movie and it's in the middle of this super dangerous jungle. Yeah, there's no script. There's a there's a loose storyline. So we're going to refer to the unnamed actor um, as Richard for mm-hmm. for purposes of the review because that's his um, his role in the movie and, and really the chapter headings have that name um, in it. There's there's no script. The the he has a loose storyline which is Richard is an American reporter who comes with his crew which consists of um, Irena. And um, I, someone else, I don't remember what the other person's name was, who's basically supposed to be like the cameraman. And that they're uh, they're there to investigate um, a, a girl that's gone missing. And, and I guess, and I'm still not clear on this, like Richard flips out and decides that even though the girl's missing, <laughs> he's going to take revenge on everybody in the jungle for her missing. I mean, like the actors aren't really sure what the storyline is. You're not really sure what the storyline is. And you think this is going to lead to some you know, big reveal. So we've got that going on. <laughs> then we have interspersed through the course of the story. What is a, some type of a, a indictment hearing or something. Yeah. Like transcripts from a court proceedings. Right. Yeah. Which is uh, the majority of it is a, a, a lawyer interrogating Ugo about what his intentions were when he made this film um, why he treated everybody so carelessly, um, asking for proof that these people are still alive, which um, the the director, you know, kind of ducks and, and, you know, and s- swims around. You know what I mean? Like he's just kind of avoiding answering any of these questions. Uh, so, again, you, you get the feeling it's going to lead to some really crazy reveal. Um, but really, you're not even sure what's leading up to the reveal. At least I felt like I wasn't. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, I, I and I liked, I liked the whole like. So I'm gonna start the whole thing again. So I like the fact that we had at one point like the kind what we look at as the the story as it's happening now, but then um, dropped in at the end of chapters. Not all chapters, but most of them were those like court transcript things because it gave a perspective of like, well, obviously something crazy must have happened if this guy is being prosecuted. Um, it did keep you guessing, um, which like Livius, I think is getting at is like something big was bound to happen in this book. I don't really feel (laughs) having completed this book that we ever got that big thing. Um, I feel like, all right. So, and I think that the, by the tone, people can kind of, kind of see the direction that we're going in this for this book. It gets it's it's weird because like it makes lots of promises, 
that like I don't really see resolution coming from any of the promises that the book made, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense to me. It might not to people who haven't read it, but yeah, that's that's exactly how how I felt about it. Because like the 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 setup is, you know, we know this is going to be a horror movie in the or horror movie made in the jungle, where you know there's all this uncertainty and and it's just kind of chaotic, and that is just like the setting for awesome bad things to happen. Um, there is a little side thing about. The revolutionaries in Colombia. It's Colombia, right? Sure. I, I honestly Columbia. don't. I don't remember. I think it's Colombia. And um, and how they're planning to overthrow the government, and then they get kind of thrown into the mix of of the town where the the jungle movie is happening. Um. So there's like that weird volatile situation with people with guns and and they're you know all that and. Then the court case is basically saying, yeah, this guy is on trial for something something horrible. (laughs) And so you're reading through this book and you're like, when is that horrible thing going to happen? Because it's just, I mean, like it's telegraphed everywhere, man. Like, I mean, it's the road, like it's the yellow brick road of like, we're getting to awful things are going to happen. And... I mean, I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil. Like, I don't want to. I want to keep it spoiler free. But like, that just doesn't happen. Like the terrible, crazy <laughs> thing. Yeah. So here's really what it comes down to: if nothing happens, what can you spoil, right? Like that's really what we're that's saying. a good point. Like, but like, so like, yeah, it's, you're thinking, oh, this is messed up. This, I'm eventually, I'm going to be reading about how these, uh, these crew go crazy and start like eating people or you know something like that. No, it's just. It's it's a movie about making. I mean, it's a book about making a movie. Yeah, and that being said, we reviewed um, two, three other stories. I'll say, kind of, you know, to include a, a longer short story that we read. They were about like movies and like the effect that movies can have on people. And one of them was maybe supernatural, and you know what I mean. And this one, it was a book about making a movie. But the movie had no script and it had no real direction. And it just, I, I don't, when I say I don't know what it was about, you said it was a book about making a movie. And I think like, <laughs> this is about like, if you and I were to make a movie, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like there was no, there was no substance to the movie making part of it. And and, and I'm going to expand a little bit on something that Rob said. He said, there's this little side part about these gorillas. That was a very extended part the first part because they have like some kind of government official and they're holding him and then something you know i'm not again to keep some spoilers out of it you know something happens and next thing you know two of these revolutionaries are in the middle of the jungle yeah staying like you know two miles away from where the the movie's being filmed and then you have that whole why they're there and what's going on with them and how that kind of crosses over and I will say that this, um, the parts, if if you take out the weird criminal trial thing, like it really felt like reality. You know, like we're yeah. making a movie, but there yeah. happened to be some revolutionaries down the street, even though the, it wasn't important at all to our story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, right. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna go one more. I'm gonna go one more step on this. On, on you, know, you said it made some promises and stuff. I almost felt like, and I'm glad you're on the same page, because I, I would have felt really dumb if you were able to explain this to me, and I'd go, oh, the nameless struggling actor. Yeah. 
eventually there's what feels like a big reveal when they reveal his name. Like it was posed as a, (laughs) (laughs) I think it was even like there was a, like a pause before saying his name. Like maybe I I read the sub, I thought like, did I miss something? Was this all supposed to make sense now? Because we revealed this guy's name that we purposely didn't say for 318 pages. And the answer is no, no, Nope. So it was it was frustrating from a storytelling standpoint. Nothing wrong with the writing. I thought the writing was 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 great. I'll agree. The writing was really good. Like uh it read well. It was it was well written and and you know, crafted well, but there was it it <laughs> What it had in writing proficiency, it lacked in the substance of the story. And I hate to say that, but, like, yeah. uh, I mean, or at least, like, the perception of what the story was going to be. I don't know if it's just, like, poorly marketed, but, like, with a title like We Eat Our Own, mm-hmm. if it's not literally people eating other people, there's got to be should, some... It should be symbolically. <laughs> right, like, there's got to be some sort of infighting thing where, like, you know, we throw each other under buses or... You know, there's... Uh, mm, no. No. It was a bunch of... I mean, it was... I've, I'm sure, I'm, I'm 100% sure that you could do a... You could watch a documentary about the making of a film and it would be a more compelling story than... This book about this highly controversial horror movie that was being made. Right. And I I think you just made an interesting point that kind of sums up what I was trying to say earlier. Is this all just seemed like somebody relaying a story, but not the kind of story that you make a feature. So when you're doing a documentary, you're trying to tell a really interesting story. Yeah. About how this movie was made. This felt like someone relaying to me an experience they had. <laughs> exactly. Not that yeah, it was yeah. a story meriting a, a feature spot. Like, right. you know, like, this is what I have. I am presenting you with this because this is super interesting. So uh, apologies to, to the author. I'm um, getting nothing wrong with the writing. I actually kind of liked the some of the characters and the way the characters developed. But mm-hmm. all of that was overshadowed by... It's kind of this meandering um, storyline that that didn't pay off. So okay, so your conce- your your interpretation, my interpretation of what it was based on the title or the synopsis or whatever, but through the whole story, it felt like we were promised something. Yeah, crazy shit. We were promised some crazy shit. Yeah, and you know what? Crazy shit didn't happen. Didn't happen. Just poured out the rest of my beer into my glass. By the way. Oh hey, what are you drinking? <laughs> I'm oh, I'm glad you asked. Glad you asked. Well, and we have a well, and we have a key a key beer alert. <laughs> key beer alert. Rob is going to tell us what he's drinking. All right, so there's a brewery in L- Long Beach, California. Oh no, Orange County. So it's not specifically Long Beach, but it's in Orange County. Called the Brewery. B r u e r y. So it's kind of cute or whatever. Oh, so it's yeah, it's edgy. Mm-hmm. And I'm drinking, it's a beer called Mash and Vanilla, which is barley wine style ale aged in bourbon barrels with vanilla added. 
I like vanilla. Ooh, it's good. It's good. I'm a big barley wine fan. That vanilla just makes it a little, a little extra sweetness on the top of it. 13% alcohol. Right there. Oh, so, so we better so we better wrap this up quick. And it's yeah, it's a it's a 750 milliliter. This is a wine bottle that I'm drinking tonight. So I'm drinking basically a bottle of an, an entire bottle of wine while we do this. And I'm a, I'm more than halfway done with it. <laughs> All right. So moving right along, um, we do have a key uh, key uh, race alert. Still no. Uh, I don't know what happened. Florida went from zero to 95 percent in no time, and it's been at 95 percent for like a goddamn hour. So yeah, key I'm race seeing... alert. Nothing happening in Florida. I'm seeing no movement. Although, on theguardian.com, Hillary Clinton is at 109 electoral votes and Donald Trump is at 150. So there's been some very minor movement. Yeah, CNN is now now has um, Trump at 167. Um, and the big declaration, the breaking news, is that he will win the key state of Ohio. That's fucked up. All I'm going to say is, um, California is a big matzo ball hanging out there. That's, oh, that's I don't think anybody is even suggesting that Trump is going to take California. No, but that's 55 electoral votes right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, in in other in other, <laughs> we have another key. News. Yeah, yeah, another key key race alerts. I wonder if CNN's going to sue us for that. Um, <laughs> Jill Stein has one point one percent of the vote in New Mexico. Oh, good for her. Yeah, yeah, that's one point one percent more than us. Yeah, exactly. Well, she's gonna she's gonna average about one percent more than us through every state. Okay, <laughs> but we didn't run. So, but we put zero mm-hmm. effort into it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Texas, where you visited recently. Has long been declared for for Donald Trump, which also isn't a surprise. Um, yeah, I looked at a county breakdown of Texas, and <laughs> okay, you know people in Texas. I mean, we both do, but I know you know do. some other people in Texas. Dallas, where um, a friend of the podcast, Misty Bennett, lives. I'm not going to say where to protect her privacy, but she lives in the city of Dallas. Um, has a big pocket of of Democrat votes. Yeah, every major city does. I, I don't think yeah. there's one like really sizable city that's uh, massively Republican on the yeah. map. Yeah, no, honestly, it's yeah. all it's always the the suburbs and the outskirts, and and I'll go as far as like the very rural areas. Uh, and that's why it, it's funny because you know, for maybe for somebody who's listening from outside the United States, if you look at the results map of the United States by the end of tonight, eighty percent of it's going to be red. And Hillary Clinton will likely still win with mm-hmm. like eight states and even smaller states. The concentration of population in those states um, yeah. determines the number of electoral vote, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she can win with with, uh, you know, whatever is 20 percent of the states or, or something like that. But when you look at it on a map, it, 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 it like if someone showed you just the electoral college map, you'd be like, how did Trump not win? Right. There's there's barely any blue on there. But yeah. Um, how do you feel about, do you want to talk, are we, can we're going to go back to our regular scheduled, uh, review oh, here? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. We're key race alerts. <laughs> key um, race we'll alerts are in. We had a beer alert and an election alert. Yep. Um, I feel pretty good about our depiction of what happens in like, without spoiling the end of it, what happens in the story, right? Anything else we want to add? Um, th- there were, so the, the only other thing of interest from, uh, structure standpoint is so we talked about how we we have the 
the glimpse into the future of the or in back into the past, whatever you want to do about with the, the indictment or potential indictment of this director. The Richard actor, his all of his chapters are told second person. Oh, right. Um, which is, you know, like it is that second person, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so it's like, like you walk into the store. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, you yeah. walk into the store as a struggling actor and you never thought you'd get this chance, you know, but then you get the call. So all of his chapters are told um, that way. So stylistically, that's that's a little different. Um, a doing that is is uncommon. Um, doing it for just what you were going to say uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs> no, because Stephen Graham Jones did that and it worked out great in um, the Texas book. Um, oh, Growing man. up down in Texas, not for nothing. Not for nothing. What am I thinking of? What the hell is Growing Up Dead in Texas? That is Did another Stephen Graham Jones book, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So Not for Nothing is the one I'm thinking of, though. Yep. Um, which I thought worked out great. It was a little off-putting at first. Yeah. Um, but it worked out well. Uh, so, yeah, no. And honestly, I think I, I bookmarked or I, I highlighted a couple things. I'm not even really willing to talk about them anymore. <laughs> I do want to read some quotes because if there's one thing that... Um, is it Kea? Yep. Kea Wilson did really well. Is like, I mean, the book has a very literary bent. It's it's written. Uh, I want to say uh, it's written really well, and I say a literary bent because uh, some of these quotes will kind of demonstrate what I'm talking about. Um, oh yeah, like here here's a quote that I thought was like just really well written and leaning this book more towards more of a literary feel. She looked around once slowly, her head swiveling like a carnivorous flower, sensing the approach of meat. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really well-crafted sentence. Yep. Like that's a sentence that's written by someone who has studied writing. And I think that just like that type of description of something was, was something that happened throughout the book. Um, her shoulders hunched sweetly was just something that I highlighted that I just thought was like, by the way, like the body um, body language of this person was described as like being sweet. I thought that was really well written. So um, I might have one more. So <laughs> with our M19 gorillas, whatever um, an M19 gorilla is, there was kind of a love story between Andres. Andres. Well, now I'm I'm totally gun shy about just saying Andre with that name because of Mr. Bergen, Andy Bergen. Yeah, of- it's, let's call this guy Andy too. Andy, the revolutionary, and Marina. There was kind of a like a sexy thing going on, and um, this quote just like I thought was really well done. Marina tasted like a papaya slice that had fallen in the dirt. So yeah. good stuff like that, and that was pretty common throughout the book. So the writing, as we've said throughout the entire thing, was very proficient. Um, it was just I didn't really agree with the way that the story went. Yeah, this this one was all for for me. The faults were all story. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna open up my my book again, but ever like great, well, yeah, Th- there was a great line. There was something she was talking about the M19 gorillas, and she was like, "Oh, there were like four of them, but between them, they had like twelve names." <laughs> like there was some some fairly yeah. good observation stuff that I remember seeing, and um, there was a whole little soliloquy on why we love horror movies, which I actually thought was really good when Hank and um, yeah. Yep. 
uh, Ugo, yeah, the one yeah. when Ugo's going through the through his um, real to real collection of movies, mm-hmm. and he's kind of talking about, or, or Hank's actually talking about why we like horror movies, and and yeah, I, some of it was really good. Unfortunately, it all took place in a in a story that, like I said, the, uh, meandering is is the word that comes to mind. Just like it just kind of wandered all over the place without a without a purpose. Yeah. Uh, do you want to use that as your lead in to your wrap up? Yeah, I can do that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I want to introduce a new segment, um, for, for myself and, and Rob, you're, you're welcome to participate or not. Is this a and, key and segment? This is a key review alert. <laughs> um, I know we talked about this probably several times, but it's probably been a while. Um, once we commit to reading a book, like the only option is to finish the book, which is not the option for the average person who listens to one of our reviews who maybe says, Hey, this book sounds great. I'm going to read it. And then if they hate it after 50 pages, they can shut it. So I used to kind of do, and sometimes I didn't even make it that far, but I used to give every book 30 to 50 pages. At that point, if you had my attention, I I probably read the rest of it. Um, But there were a lot of books I put down at the 30 page mark. So uh, I'm going to try to do this for most books. And at first I thought, well, this is unfair because clearly it's going to be the books I don't like. But that's not true. And here's why. I would have put this book down by 30 pages. Um, <laughs> well, well, but OK, so we already know it's going to be an unfavorable review. But I also would have put the rib from which I remake the world down in 30 pages. And I wound up loving that book. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to try to, at least when I remember, add this in. I definitely would have put this down 30 pages in. Um, and at any point after that, at no point did I feel like as a reader, had, had I not committed to, to finishing this book for the podcast, that I would have continued this. Um, I would have put 200 pages in. If it was up to me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not reading any more of this. Um, that being said, I didn't like the story. Um, it, it, as I indicated, you know, from the title, yeah, maybe we, we assume some things. Maybe for the synopsis, we assume some things, but the book continues to make promises that I don't feel it delivers on. It builds up to what should be, and the book, the story does it itself in its wandering way, it is promising this this big payoff, and, and there's zero payoff. Uh, on top of that, you know, although I liked some of the characters, we weren't with any of them long enough for me to say, man, this book is worth reading because this, this uh, Irena chick is so awesome. Even if you love her, she's like 5% of the book. All mm-hmm. the characters are five percent of the book. So, although it is well written, um, I, I, I didn't like what was written. So, um, ultimately, <laughs> I'm going to give it uh, one and a half stars. Ooh, that's the lowest probably that we've had in a while. Review, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, probably. We've had the luck of reading a bunch of books that we like lately, so it was bound to happen that we mm-hmm. picked up a. Something that wasn't of our taste. I was about to say something um, negative, but it's all... I mean, like, a book review is a subjective thing, so... Totally. Uh, Here's what I think. I didn't know... Didn't read the synopsis ahead of time. And actually, I think had I read the synopsis, I may have been more disappointed. Because that... Even the synopsis makes promises that it doesn't deliver on. I can think of... I can point to one specific thing, um, which is, like, the menacing... Um, nature of the jungle and the and like the local people, 
that literally never becomes a problem. It is posed as a potential problem, never a problem. Like, obviously, the worst element in this entire situation is that the story just doesn't do do much at all. Um, it's not that there's not any character... Eh, I'm going to go ahead and say that there's no real character growth. Um, the people, how we saw the characters at the beginning of the book... They're more or less the same at the end. I'm thinking that maybe our anonymous American actor may not choose to to do another, like, jungle movie where he doesn't know anything before he goes because he learned his lesson. But there was no major, like, change or growth or development in our characters. Um, I will admit that I really had my fingers crossed that I was going to get some, like, you know, this movie was well-intentioned and, and messed up and an eccentric guy, but then shit just hit the fan and, like, all of a sudden, like, weird cannibal shit is going on because that was kind of what was suggested, not promised, but, like, implied. Okay, straight up implied and probably kind of promised. And we never saw that. So part of it was based on what I wanted but I think the book gave me that expectation. It's not something that I brought independently. Does that make sense, Olivia's? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, well written, as I said before. The story didn't give me what I want. And as much as I want to give myself the blame for that, for having unrealistic expectations, the book basically pulled a fast one on me by saying, hey, this is going to happen, and then not giving me what I wanted. Um... I think I'm going to land with Livius. Would you do one and a half? 1.5. Let's do... I'm going to do 1.5 as well. This is this is a one and a half star book. And that one and a half stars is built entirely on the fact that, like, this writer is, is a proficient writer. And if she just got more soul into her stories, I think that she'd, she'd have some really good stuff. Go farther. I thought the writing was good enough that if someone said, hey... She really figured out the storytelling part that I would read something else by her. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. That's how, that's how good the writing was. And I wouldn't say that about a lot. You know what I mean? Like someone yeah. else, the, this, the taste I have in my mouth right now is not a, a repeat um, read for me. That I'm kind of getting like a Monica Drake kind of feel like it's obvious this oh person God, right? yeah. understands how to write something. They just don't have a story to tell is almost how I feel. You know what? You hit the nail on the head. And and I, in the back of my head, I was trying to think there was another book I felt this way about. And you're right. It was Monica Drake's stud <laughs> book. Fucking stud book, yeah. Like yeah. where you know it's there. It's like, mm-hmm. please, like, it's like, yeah, it's like I know it's in you. <laughs> oh, my God. I think if I actually went back and listened to that review, I think the review is exactly the same thing. Yeah. 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 So it's crazy. Anyway, um, and maybe, but, I mean, I will give them this. Like maybe this book really resonated with someone else. But it's just not it's just not doing it for me. Now that being said, um, <laughs> we if you listen to our other podcast, Porned, you will hear uh, <laughs> a <probably> expanded <laughs> view of Rob. This gave Rob an idea for, yeah, for, yeah. for an adult film. Rob, would you would you care to, to go on with your adult film? Well, idea? in the yeah, in the tradition of um well now it's just all right, so from what I understand as a human being that has access to the internet, modern day, like if a porn is made based on something that already exists, they just say like, it's the same name, but a parody 
right? That's what I'm recognizing now. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. But back in the day, it used to be like, oh, I'm watching the Flint Bones or something weird like that, where it's like a like a, a sex take on the name of whatever it is you're talking about. So in that classic tradition, <laughs> I thought, <laughs> you're making me say this on the podcast, I hate you for this, we eat our own asses. Yep. Yep. We eat our own asses, um, <laughs> which quite honestly... I am more likely to, <laughs> <coughs> to enjoy than than uh, than this. That did bring up. Um, so first of all, that would be a really interesting trick to pull off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the person yeah. that can do that probably would have made a better um, American Horror Story season four than the yeah. freak, freak show that actually happened. Yes, that's true. So I did Google porn parodies <laughs> titles. Uh, for the purpose of reading some of these. So oh, missionary, missionary position impossible. <laughs> Saturday, which is the exact opposite of we eat our own asses. If you think about right. it. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Saturday night beaver. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. The Texas vibrator massacre. Oh, all right. <laughs> Womb Raider. <laughs> That's good. Oh, that is so good. So I don't know that what you're saying, like old school. I don't know how, how old. It, it's actually called Kara Loft. This is the backwards from Lara, Lara Croft. Croft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Womb Raider. Um, let's see. The Da Vinci Load. All right. That's good. Evil Head. Yeah, that makes sense. Game of Bones, which, which we didn't even try with Game of Game of Bones. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, all right. You ready? A tale of two titties. It's fucking beautiful. The the triple exorcist. All right, good good up on yeah. ups on them for that. Yeah, so I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't I don't think that your naming um, is quite up to, to stuff yet. But I think you're on the right track because you're really not at Jurassic Pork. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's no Jurassic Pork. Yeah, like tits a wonderful life. Yeah, you're not quite there, but I do think that you may have a uh, a future um, <laughs> in that. Like that, that could be a job for you. There was one um, in a Kevin Smith movie. They were doing naming a bunch of. It was the Zach and Mary make a porno, yes, yes. and they're naming all the different possible porn titles they could make. Mm-hmm. And one that I thought was just masterful was a cock and lips. Now, <laughs> yeah, see, that's good stuff. That is that's someone that spent some time thinking about thinking about it. You are on the right track. Um, we do have another key race alert. Excellent. Um, here, here at uh, at uh, twenty sixteen election twenty sixteen results headquarters, uh, Trump one sixty seven, Clinton one twenty two. If the election counts ended right now, Donald Trump win the presidency of the United States. Yeah, it's a good thing that we have to get all the way up to two hundred seventy electoral votes, right? We're uh, we're getting there. I mean, these are just predictions, but that's already uh, I don't know. That's a lot of votes. I get the feeling. All right, so um, Pennsylvania has not fallen to Hillary Clinton yet, but it's bound to, and I think that's like twenty votes right there. Um, Pennsylvania does have twenty votes. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Um, Clinton is ahead by a substantial amount, by three percent of the total vote, um, with sixty-five percent in. Florida, 
They're down to counting chads again, I think. Still no movement on Florida. <laughs> Those dangling chads. Oh, my God, man. Florida. Poor Jeb Bush, man. Jeb was going to be the third Bush president, and then no, fucking he, Donald Trump stumbles no, onto he, the stage. No, he fucking wasn't. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. I kind of feel bad for the little guy. I don't feel bad for him. I, um, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to extend this to Hillary Clinton. I really hope that this is the last time. Like, we don't need um, a presidential dynasties. We don't need father, son, brother. We don't need husband, wife, grandchild. Yeah. Like, there are an awful lot of people in the United States. I think there's something like 10 million people. And out of that, <laughs> we should be right. able to find someone who, you know, isn't son of, wife of, brother-in-law of another president. They, they can yeah. lead the country. I agree. I agree. So, well, there there was going to be, it was, I mean, that, that goes back to the sixties with, um, JFK and then Robert Kennedy was going to be, was going to run for president and they just got crazy assassinated. Yeah. But I mean, like I said, we just, we have, we, we have enough, there's enough of a playing field that we don't have to be limited to, you know, this is kind of like if you work at a really small company and they promote from within, but like you and your brother work there, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we really have a much larger pool. There's at least like. 30 congressmen or something that could run for president. Hey, far as I'm aware, Jill Stein, not related to any former president or current no, president. Yeah, no, not that any of them would admit to. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe maybe next time around we'll see somebody who isn't already somehow tied to the White House um, run for president. And maybe then we'll see some real forward movement. Fucking. All right. So that's very positive of you. <laughs> I don't really think that's going to be the way it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I do know that at least the, um, the, 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 I know I went on a little bit of a rant just with you on Skype the other night, but like, listen, your Facebook posts didn't, didn't change anybody's mind on who to vote for. Yeah. You're the only person that cares about your fucking I voted sticker is you. Nobody else gives a shit that you voted or wants to see your picture of you and your sticker. Oh, dude, that's like a fucking badge today, though. Yeah, all I'm saying is the only person that cared. Did you look at any of those posts and be like, oh, man, good on him. God, I'm so proud of him for voting. No, you scroll past. You're like, oh, look, there's another I voted badge. The only person it's like taking a picture of your dinner. The mm -hmm. only person that gives a shit about it is you. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. not, I don't know. Whatever. I'm glad that I'm glad that this um, part of the nightmare is over. We only have four more years till we can start over uh, <laughs> um, and, and, and hope for the best. Personally, on, on a personal level, um, you know, the, the, the person that I wanted to win um, was ousted very early. So, you know. It was Jill Stein. I get it. John McAfee. John McAfee. Um, hey, there's a key election update. Uh-oh. What do we have? Um, Florida? Yeah, Florida. Florida went, oh, from the sound of it, I'm going to guess it went to Donald Trump. Well, on The Guardian, it went to Trump. On CNN, it's still showing as not... 95%, yeah. 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 That does make it um, more interesting, I guess, to watch. Uh, it makes it a little tighter, because that's 29. 29 electoral votes. Yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. I am very confident... That our 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 girl's gonna pull through because the West Coast is just gonna drop its fucking nuts on everybody. Um, so 
I don't care. Just don't care. Yeah, that Virginia, um, you know, from watching it earlier, Virginia and uh, North Carolina hasn't been called yet, but those two were, were pretty much must win. So it, it still looks like Trump is, is going to take North Carolina. That's starting to wrap up. But, uh, yeah. At any rate, Lisa, this is old news for anybody that's listening. You know who the president is. Yeah, you know who the president is. We don't. So when we're seeing this, we have no idea. Um, what else we got? We do have something else. And, and here's what it is. At least, much like this election thing, this is totally relevant when we're saying it. Because I believe this might be a, kind of a, a booked exclusive at this point. Mm. So earlier today on Tuesday, November 8th. <laughs> is this a key book uh, update of some This kind? is a key booked alert right here. Um, <laughs> Josh Mallerman posted the cover reveal for his new book, Black Mad Wheel, um, on social media sites this morning. Um, and there was nowhere I could find a synopsis. This and there are other people asking, and of course, you know, Josh Mallerman, super popular, a million comments go up right away. So I go, Oh, what the hell? I know the guy's busy, but we're recording an episode tonight. Maybe I reach out to him and ask him if he could point me in the direction of a synopsis. And what we got was an ad libbed synopsis. So I'm going to call this a book exclusive. Yeah, so um, the Black Mad Wheel, I believe, and I don't have this in front of me, I believe is scheduled to come out in May of next year. So um, yeah. six six months, seven months from now, whatever that is. Yep. Uh, we'll definitely be reviewing it here. Uh, hopefully have Josh on again, um, which would be nice. Here is the ad-lib synopsis. Former members of the Army Band are contracted to go to Africa's Namib Desert to locate the source of a very scary sound. The book alternates between two main threads, the band in the desert and a hospital in Iowa in which one of the musicians is healing from what the sound did to him. Well, all right. So the biggest thing for me is the, the like the mysterious sound part, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the yeah. potential supernatural kind of thing happening there. And that's all you need to tell me. I'm, I'm sold on this one already. Like, yeah. I don't know. Mallerman likes to do that. Like, um, insubstantial kind of like thing at the corner of your, your, mm-hmm. you know, eye kind of terror. Like it's the thing that you can't figure out what it is kind of horror. So sounds like this might be in the same situation either way, man, everything I've, lo- I've read by him, I've just loved. So yeah, I'm in lock stock, whatever yep. you want to say. I am very excited about this. Um, again, only six months to go, five months, six months to go till this comes out. Yeah, um, but that was cool to, to have that. And uh, you probably heard it here first because there didn't seem like <laughs> Amazon has. Well, you definitely heard it here first because I'm sure that we're the first podcast that is saying it out loud for you to listen to. That's true. But yeah, Amazon doesn't have like a synopsis of. So like I Googled it and I got like the publisher's page and there was no information on there. So I don't know how widely available that is. But yeah, definitely something we're going to, we're going to look at something I'm very excited about. Yeah. You know what it is though. If you think about it, it's some people going to a desert in another country to do something. And we're going to have somebody who was affected (laughs) by it going back. So really what we're going to have is maybe we're going to have, we eat our own asses. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, as long as, I mean, I think ass eating could have helped that book. At least make it Here's, more interesting or scary or weird. I don't know. 
Cannibals eating their own ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but you get what I'm saying. You know what oh, I'm saying. I totally, yeah, I totally get it. So, um, Rob, tell, tell, the, tell the listeners what's up next. All right. So what we have coming up next episode is, uh, I don't know if we've actually done this before. This may be a booked first. This may be a key booked experience where um, we're, re- <laughs> we're reading the third, we're reviewing the third book in an ongoing book series. Um, so with Rob Hart, the author, we've reviewed his books, um, New York. City of Rose, and now the next book uh, came out in October, so we're a little behind on this one, but we're going to be reading, and I'm sorry, (laughs) by the time the episode comes out, we're reviewing it, we are reading to review Rob Hart's third book in his Ash McKenna series, which is South Village. Yep, got to start on it today on Liv's Lunches, and uh, boy, I got to tell you, only three chapters in, they're short chapters too, um... So far, I'm enjoying it more. I, I'm not. I, I'm not at the 30 page mark yet, but I feel like <laughs> if I get to 30 pages, I would continue reading this book. <laughs> your, your new segment, 30, the 30 page rule. You know, I just because I thought about it, and I think it's important. And like I said, I, I, I did talk about it a little bit. Um, we reviewed Ed Kurtz's book. Is that the one thing that I thought would improve that book was to move that beginning along? Yeah. Because as a reader, I probably might have put it down and missed out on a great book. Um, you know. Or maybe you read a book where the first 30 pages are great and then the rest of it's shit. You know, so, I don't know. <sighs> you, ready for your, you ready for your final um, key, uh, key race alert? Key race alert. Uh-oh. The potheads in Colorado have voted. <laughs> And uh, Hillary Clinton now showing 190 to 171. I believe this is the first time Hillary Clinton has been leading in the electoral votes, uh, at least on the projections uh, tonight. Yeah, she's going to start creeping ahead, man. I'm saying this this election is going to be down to the wire, but Florida, bro, Florida, no movement. Florida sucks, man. All right, so when I was a child, um. I don't know how old I was, but probably 10, maybe 10 years old. The family took a vacation down to Florida. And have you ever been to Florida? I have, I have not. No. Have you? All right. So you've never been to Florida. Um, I was staying in the Clearwater. I think it was on the Bay side of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so not, I, I think it was family friends. I don't really remember. All I know is this. Go to the fucking beach, right? And it was spring break, I think. I think it was spring break. I don't remember. I was like 10. Don't pay attention to this stuff. But anyway, go to the beach, and it's overcast, and we're hanging out at the beach and everything. Next day, I'm burned like crazy. I've got like massive sunburns. Because, apparently, the sun gets through clouds. Didn't know that when I was 10. Uh, Big old sunburn. The rest of my trip in Florida was just complete misery, and um, never gone back. Yeah, the sun goes through clouds. That's how we get light. Sun goes through clouds, man. So, as a ten-year-old, like I would have prepared. I would have been like, "What? There's sun coming through those clouds? Give me some of that sunscreen." You strike um, me as the kind of person who burns pretty easy. Yeah, I got kind of that um, Scandinavian uh, heritage. 
And that just equals burning. You probably are more sensitive to sunlight than I am, being you know part vampire. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> I, I tan really well, but on the inside, it's like fire. <laughs> it's like your um, like uh, pan fried or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't so, know what I'm talking about. Oh, we've gone on for way too long. Thank you for tuning in to our uh, continuing 2016 election coverage. Um, we'll have results for you next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking about President Jill Stein. That's right. Yeah, yeah. President Jill Stein. Um, oddly enough, we didn't pick on Gary Johnson at all. And that guy. Oh my God. That guy has been like just losing his shit. You yeah. want to talk about like a public meltdown? That guy. Anyway, libertarians, you know, elected him ahead of John McAfee. I'm not. I wasn't kidding about that. John McAfee. Was running on the Libertarian um, primary, whatever, and yeah, he got beat up by Gary Johnson. That's that's insane. All right, I think we're done with. Um, we've taken this election as far as we can, and I'm looking forward to four years from now <laughs> when we do more election coverage. That's going to be pretty exciting for me. Nightly live election coverage in four years. You heard it here first. Wow! Ouch! I don't know if I want to. On our new podcast, Elected. Elected. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Join us again next episode when we're going to be reviewing Rob Hart's South Village, book three in the Ash McKenna series. Until then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading.